Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. And on this week's episode, we caught up with James Breakwell, who is a dad blogger uh, and somewhat of an internet sensation, having gathered over a million followers on Twitter with his uh, amusing uh, commentary about being a dad. Uh, he's just written a book called Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Yeah, as the uh, title of the book suggests, James has a slightly different outlook, shall we say, to parenting to some of the other guests we've had on this podcast. Um, Being a dad of four young girls, um, he believes that maybe we should all just chill out a little bit and not worry about parenting quite so much. So, um, yeah, as Steve suggested, we caught up with him. Um, He is in Indianapolis in uh, the United States. So we had a chat over Skype, hence the uh, the slightly different sort of audio to to our usual stuff. Um, But here he is. Enjoy. James, can you tell us about your, your book and your Twitter feed and the bare minimum parenting philosophy? And also, just for an added, added uh, bonus, how on earth you get a million followers on Twitter? That would be... That would be <laughs> just looking for, looking for a 10-minute monologue, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Hey, I could, I'm all about that. Just cut me off when you want me to stop talking. So I'm James Breakwell, and I have a Twitter account, at ExplodingUnicorn, without the E, uh, where I tweet jokes about my kids. And some of those jokes are real, and some are exaggerated, and some are made up. But they all have that kernel of truth that capture what it's really like uh, to be a parent that a lot of people can relate to. And I started that account and I had been writing humor on the blogs for years. And I started that account in 2012 and kind of figured out that people like kid jokes. They liked hearing about my children and those back and forth conversations. I zeroed in on it and, and built it up gradually, putting way too much time into it for no money for years. And I got up to about 200,000 followers. And then in uh, April of 2016, my account went viral uh, thanks to a BuzzFeed article. And I jumped from 200,000 followers to half a million really quick. And it never really slowed down after that. There are a bunch of surges and I'm up to over a million and I've expanded to, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those fun places. And uh, right away when I got up there, somebody, uh, I started getting offers for books and they wanted me to write a book of tweets. And I thought I can, I, I want to prove I can write something longer. So I, <laughs> so, so my first book was uh, Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. I wanted to take parenting and kind of just put it in a weird, more extreme scenario, but it ended up not being that much more extreme than, than regular parenting, that regular parents would do pretty well in the yeah. apocalypse. And then uh, and then so my second book is coming out November 6th, and that's Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. And, and the idea behind that one is there's all these parenting books out there about how you can raise this perfect kid, but you've got to work harder and do all this extra stuff, get them extra tutor and get them in all these extracurricular activities. But I look around me and if there's all these perfect uh, kids coming out, where are the perfect adults? Like you just – you get <laughs> – You're preaching you get, to the choir here, James. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, you get to a point where like, you look at each other, we're all mediocre. You can't tell who had a parent who stayed home and who went to daycare, who was breastfed or bottle fed. By the time you're adults, we're just, we're all mediocre. And I, my whole philosophy was if we're going to all end up being average adults, if we're going to be mediocre, what's, what's the easiest possible way to raise a mediocre child, just to, to, to become a mediocre adult, to get there by the fastest possible route. And the book kind of started out as a joke. Uh, and then 50,000 words later, I accidentally proved a point and it actually came out. <laughs> This that, is music that, to my ears, James. I must say, because, <laughs> you know, I think we are so guilty. And you know, I, I appreciate that there's a, there's a lot of humour in the book, but I think you're right. There is a serious point there that we all put so, we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents, as dads, that we have to be doing X, Y, and Z, and that somehow that if my child watches one too many episodes of that cartoon, then somehow I'm um, hampering their development further down the road. And if they don't get breastfed, then somehow they're inevitably going to end up with some serious illness down. The- it's all nonsense, of course. And, and and I think you're quite right that actually we do need to chill out a little bit and realise that you know as long as you're there and you you know your, your kids are sort of fed and clothed that's pretty much the basics right exactly and I, I think we need to take it easier on ourselves because a big part of it is our kids aren't even going to remember most of their childhood I mean how many childhood memories do you really have and and how warped are those by time and the narrative your parents have told you so even if your kids have a, have a bad childhood I mean you're the record keeper you're the one holding the camera for the first part of their life if they have a bad childhood just tell them they had a good childhood and they really don't have any evidence to the contrary I love the fact that you've just cured the, the, the stress all stress of parenthood just essentially <laughs> kind of create the, the kind of alternative reality and make sure they think they had a good childhood and job done. Yeah, exactly. Who are they to argue with you? It's not like they're taking pictures when they're three. So yeah, <laughs> we, we have all these advantages, but I just feel like parenting is moving the opposite direction rather than relaxing and realizing we live in a world that's safer than ever before, that has more tools to help us than ever before. We're more worried than ever before. It's like, come on. I mean, we've been raising you know kids to be adults for hundreds of thousands of years. And, and we did this before we had you know all, all the kinds of parent shaming we had now, before we had parenting books, before we had parenting forums and all that. And somehow we survived. So I think, I think no matter what you do, as long as you put in a reasonable effort, your kid is going to turn out fine. James, how many kids have you got? I've got four kids, uh, four daughters, ages eight, six, four, and two. Okay, and what is a day in the life of your of this approach to parenting? How's it manifesting your house? Well, I think I'm I'm a pretty average parent. It's not like when you hear bare minimum parenting, I think you picture me sitting there drinking a beer as my kids clean the house for me or something. And that's not the case at all. I think I I do all. Yeah, no kidding. That's the dream, but I have yet to pull it off. <laughs> I think I think I do all the same things other parents do. I just I just don't stress out about as much as much. I don't worry. Oh my gosh, are people gonna are people gonna yell at me for how I how I put my kids in the car seat or for what I feed them or whatever? And they do yell at me for those things. I mean, I'll never forget the day that somebody unfollowed me because I fed my kids corn dogs. Like <laughs> they just can't please the internet. Uh, but I think. I'll, a large part of the part of the book and a large part of parenting is just accepting that that in the, in no area of life will everyone ever agree with you, not in politics, not in parenting, not in sports, not in anything. And the fact that people disagree with you in parenting doesn't make them right. It just makes it means they're doing things differently than you. And there's no reason you need to bend over backwards to accommodate their opinions. Uh, so so a day in my life is a lot of uh, yeah, just doing regular parenting things, posting about it on the Internet and then ignoring unwanted opinions kind <laughs> Up in that order. So, so you're not up in the mornings making smoothies from scratch with organic fruit and berries and piles and piles <laughs> of pancakes. You're more inclined, are you, to get a box of cereal that's got too much sugar in and just here you go, kids. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, the one thing I did a lot right in my life is when I was uh, probably junior high through high school, every morning, all I ate for breakfast was junk food. I had brownies or whatever else I could find in the cupboards, uh, cookies, everything else. And back then, my metabolism burned 10,000 calories a day. And now I drink a glass of water and gain five pounds. So I'm very glad that back when I was young, I took advantage of my metabolism. And I feel bad for the kids being raised on kale and all these other health food. It's like, man, this is the one time in your life you could eat whatever you want. And this is what you get. That's that. I think they will regret. <laughs> Why do you think we seem so intent on on kind of avoiding kids having too much fun? Where does where does that come from? The idea that that everything has to be so earnest and so proper, and it, there always has to be some kind of great purpose behind everything we get our or, kids to do, or heavily organised, or heavily, yeah, exactly, organised fun. Why why is it that we? Where has this come from? Because as you said, everything suggests that we we have more more kind of help as parents than we've ever had before. It, the world is safer than it's ever been. So where, where does it all come from? I think it comes from narcissism. I think it's the idea that everything in our kids' lives depends on us. Like whether they become a doctor or a homeless person depends on if we give them extra tutoring, if we get them into the right daycare, if we if we help them learn their numbers and turn off the TV. When in reality, to a large part, I mean, this is another independent human being uh, with free choices who's going to kind of turn out how they turn out. They've got their own agenda, they've got their own interests, and the fact that you you know make them go to three extra hours of soccer a night isn't going to necessarily turn around. I'm sorry, football for you guys isn't going to necessarily turn them into the next, uh, you know, big athletic star. But we somehow we've put that all on our shoulders and thought that however they turn out, good or bad, is on us. And I just don't think that's the truth. I think within a margin of error, as long as you're not doing truly horrible things, as long as you get them to adulthood, I think how they turn out is largely on them, not on you. Mm-hmm. And do you think that uh, some of the enjoyment of being a parent is stripped away because we're putting pressure as parents on ourselves to to make sure our kids are doing these you know latin lessons at age three and that's obviously an extreme example but do, do you think you know actually give your kid an ipad so you can watch a, a, a film is fine I, I absolutely think that uh, we're stripping away a lot of the joy. There's just so many things to worry about now. I feel like every day somebody finds something new to it. And I, a lot of this book, it just came about, I would just be living my life and I would see some parent run into a ridiculous situation and be like, oh, that's a that's a chapter. I saw, I saw one parent give a speech about how her kids were banned from watching TV, but one day they let, they watched movies for eight hours and they were miserable. And that's why, and that's why screens are bad. And I thought this, I can't imagine growing up in a house where screens are banned. So that was a chapter of the book or or there was a, you know, I had some friends who were, they were pregnant and looking for a daycare before their child was born. You know, like that, that's a chapter of the book. I just, there are so many things we found ways to feel bad about that I think a generation or two ago, people wouldn't have even considered. And I think we're going to go more in the direction of guilt rather than away from it. Unless, unless my book's a huge hit and changes, <laughs> changes the course of parenting. Uh, hey, don't there's always, it, James, don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, there's just, there's always some new thing to feel guilty about that, you know, six months or a year ago, we never even considered. I mean, that's that's what the Internet is built on. Hot take. Here's how this one thing you're doing is killing your kid. And there's there's no there's no end to that supply. That's how you get clicks. And and I think the worst part is when you get on parenting forums, never, ever go on a parenting forum no. to ask for advice. I mean, you could probably figure it out yourself or maybe you can ask somebody in real life. But if you ask somebody on the Internet there, you know, you're going to get 20 different opinions and everybody's going to believe that if you don't do things just the way they're doing it your kid's gonna die well, and that is that is not, not a good place to start a dialogue from that's sort of part of where the podcast came from from uh, you know a, a dad's point of view because there isn't really a forum we don't think for, for dads to kind of have a discussion about how to be a dad 
Um, and if you dare show your face on a kind of a mum's net or a mum's forum as a dad, you know, you, you're lucky to get out with your with your manhood. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly put, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think I... there's a, pre- you know, do you think, what do you think about being a dad specifically? Do you think there's some, uh, you know, because traditionally, I guess dads went off to work and they saw their kids at weekends and, and now we see our kids more than ever probably. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think parents are more involved than ever before, but we also feel worse than about ourselves than ever before. I mean, growing up, you know, I was one of seven kids and my parents were great. I have no complaints about them whatsoever, but it's not like they came and, and played with me every day. Like that wasn't an expectation. They were my parents. Uh, but now, you know, everybody's got to play with their kids. And if you're not doing that enough, then then suddenly you're neglecting them. Uh, I think specifically to dads, yeah, there are different expectations. So so really on my uh, my Twitter account, uh, I think it's mostly I, I, it's mostly moms that follow me. My my following is largely female. And uh, I think they kind of give me a pass. It's like, oh, there's that dopey dad kind of failing at life. Whereas I think if I had been uh, a woman coming up like that, I think moms are judged much more har- harshly by other moms. And I don't know why that is. And I don't think I personally am going to be able to change that. So I guess I, for one, I'm grateful that that I haven't fallen victim to it. Uh, but I guess the, the most important thing is just with that, you know, whatever gender you are, whatever angle you're coming from, you got to remember other parents don't have power over you. If they don't like how you're raising your kid, they don't have the power to stop you. You can just ignore <laughs> them and go on living your life. And I don't, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around because it makes you angry and it gets you fired up. But if you just keep moving, they're powerless over you. Do you know what? Genuinely, James, I, I feel a little bit of weight has been taken off my shoulders in the last 12 and a half minutes because there, <laughs> there are not, genuinely, there are not many people. I, I, I am one of those fathers who is constantly beating himself up and thinking, oh God, why haven't we done this? Or we should be doing that. Or why haven't I done that with my boy? Or et cetera, et cetera. And actually, it's not very often that you hear somebody saying, just chill out. There's, there's really yeah. there's really nothing to worry about. James, Rich beats himself up about beating himself up. That's, it's, it's beyond, it's another level of, 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 of angst. Yeah, don't, don't crawl inside this head, it's a terrible place. But I, yeah, the, 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 um, the parenting angst, it does seem to come with the territory. And it's really interesting to hear somebody say, do you know what, just chill out. And because it's such a simple bit of advice. And yet when, when it comes to our kids, we find it so difficult to do. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's easy by any means. <laughs> when, you're ignoring, uh, when you're ignoring other parents, I mean, there's a reason it's called parental peer pressure, not parental opinions you don't care about. Like these are, these are things that hit you right where it hurt. They're things that make you feel insecure. Uh, but you just have to take a step back and say, listen, what are the consequences if I don't listen to what anybody says? And, and there really aren't any. And you see, I mean, there's such a broad spectrum of parenting. And if you, if you really are bad, if you really are truly awful, just think about it this way. You become part of your kid's heroic backstory. Look at what they overcame to become who they are today. I mean, we love stories a, like that. Yeah, when they're on a reality TV show twenty years from now, you'll yeah, you'll be you'll be the, the basis of all of it. Yeah, it's marvelous. Do you know what? Do you know what I do when I'm when I'm feeling like I'm having a kind of bad parenting day? You know, stick child in front of TV or whatever it might be. I often think to myself, well, look, cavemen managed to raise children, right? They managed to exactly. do this, you know, like you said, hundreds of thousands of years ago. So if they if a caveman can do it. And, you know, their child can succeed in life. Well, by, you know, in relative caveman terms. <laughs> then, um, then actually, what, what can I be doing here that's so awful? Do you know what I mean? I'd just like to exactly. have a, you know, if there's any feminists listening, they'd probably point out that cavemen weren't actually hands-on parenting. <laughs> yeah. They were out <laughs> killing saber-toothed tigers yeah, and the mammoths. Yeah. And the, it was the cave women yeah. that were at home uh, in yeah. the cave. With cavemen the, weren't with reading the many bedtime stories, is what you're saying. Yeah, no. yeah well, no, that's probably it, a fair point. 
Well, if you think about it, too, the consequences of failure back then were so much worse. Like now you fail. It's like, oh, no, I'm a bad parent. I didn't get them into the best school. And back then you fail as a parent. Your kid gets eaten by a giant bear. I mean, there's a whole different scope of like what means success or failure. And they made it generation after generation. Here we are at the top of the food chain. So I don't know how we could beat ourselves up more now than then if we if we would make it work all along. We've got a long track record of success. And I don't think we're going to be the first generation to ruin it. No, there is some science behind what you say as well. We had a, a, a doctor from Oxford University on the podcast a while back and she was, was talking to us about this idea that you just you just need to give some kids some time to do nothing and if you let kids do nothing and be bored for a little bit it stimulates their mind because they then have to find something to do whereas if you're constantly overloading them with things to do their expectation is that they're always going to have something to do they don't their brain doesn't develop in this kind of imagination type type fear yeah, exactly. I, I I know I hate being overscheduled into things. And when I look back at my childhood, especially high school, you know, there was a while there where I was really trying to pack my resume and get do a college and get scholarships. And I look at all the activities I did, all the time I wasted at things I just didn't care about. I don't want to do that to my kids because uh, one, I don't want them to feel like they're wasting their time, and two, I don't want to drive them to a million activities. I'm pretty lazy, so I think we're going to adopt the approach that if they really enjoy something, it's something they're passionate about, we'll do it. But it's not going to be something we're going to lock them in at li- for life. Like I don't. There's a big push now especially in sports that like you pick your vocation for life for like five or six like this is you're gonna put all your time into baseball or football or whatever it is it's like you know who, who decides that at this age I, I have a whole i have a whole section on sports anyway about that that's a different discussion but yeah it's let, let them be kids let them chill out and especially screen time i'm a big fan of letting kids have screen time i'll never uh, understand why people think oh this is so awful like don't don't watch a movie read a book but like that movie's based on the book like it all comes from the same place <laughs> Mm. Uh, it's an interesting point you know on sports um that's that's a really interesting one as well because there are a lot of um football so football soccer whatever you want to call it there's a there's a lot of f- football clubs that you see around the uk now where they have signs up at, on the pitches at the games saying this is not the world cup final you know this referee is not getting paid <laughs> these kids are not professional footballers you know just relax like don't, stop yelling at your kids because they've not done something you know because you do see that everywhere you go and i'm sure it's the same stateside as well Oh, it's very extreme here in, in every youth sport. And, and you think about it, you're just sucking the joy out of the game. Uh, I, I think I think everybody kind of, and, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking too generally here, but hey, I speak generally the whole book, so why not? <laughs> I think the joy, the higher up you go in sports, the more the joy is sucked out of it, the more pressure there is and all of that. And yeah, at the early stages when kids don't even know which direction to kick the ball, just let them go. Why would you ever yell at those kids for doing anything out there? Uh, and if you look, but I think a lot of parents here especially, and, and this is actually a section from the, U, uh, from the, the UK version version of my book, they cut a section on college scholarships. I guess over there you don't do athletic college scholarships as much. They have a, you, have a, you have a different structure. But over here, there's a huge idea that your kid is going to get so good at sports that a college will pay them to go there for free. Uh, and that's an insane logic. I know what, what inspired that chapter, that part of it. I was talking to a, to a mom and she said that her kids were in volleyball and she really wanted them to get a scholarship. So she was flying all around the country to all these volleyball tournaments to get them extra practice. And I'm sitting there thinking, if you just took all that money you were spending on flights and hotel rooms and saved it for college you could pay for college it's yeah, yeah. yeah there's an it's argument, a, argument in the states isn't there that some of the, the basketball scholarships when the players actually get to college they don't actually do any of the work it's all done by you know essay factories and you pay some some kid who's a bit of a, I've, I've watched enough american comedies to see you pay you pay the uh, the geeky kid to do the essay writing for you if you're the, the sports jock 
Yeah, that's one of those things where they're, you know, st- at the really big colleges, the really good players are, are students in name only. It's kind of a weird double system we've got set up where they go out there and they earn millions of dollars for the college, but they can't get paid any money and they have to pretend they're a student. And, and that's a whole other discussion. But I don't know why you would ever want your kid to go into that system. I mean, every 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 month, it seems like there's some new college athletic scandal coming out. It's like, and why would you push your kid into that? Or like even the, you know, the Olympics, these kids, we think, oh, my gosh, they've achieved the dream. But you look at it, the, the kids who are truly good at gymnastics or swimming or whatever else. I mean, they gave up their entire childhood. They lived at sports camps doing all this stuff. And one kid gets a gold medal and everybody else wasted their childhood for nothing. It's like, man, I I think. Sorry, James, I was just going to say, I think it comes back to your original point about narcissism. It's not something I'd ever really considered until you mentioned it. But actually, you know, it's that idea again, is it look, look what I got, look what I got for my child. Look what I got my child to become. Look what I got my child to achieve. Um, and you know, to, to your point, well, it, it, that's really on the child. It's not really on the uh, on the <laughs> to start taking that reflected glory. Yeah, it? you're living your life vicariously through your child. Yeah, and there's so much of that. It, it really, it really is kind of scary. But yeah, that's a think about how we brag about our kids. Hey, look what my kid did. And it, like, it, it makes you a winner. It's like, and we've got to start viewing our kids as separate people rather than accessories. Like they're not, they're not something that's there to make us look better. Uh, they're there to live their own lives and we're there to support that. And I think that's maybe a shift we need to have in our thinking. So presumably your partner is quite understanding to your approach, James. Is there ever <laughs> an occasion where she, she has questioned and said, maybe we should be a little bit more hands-on here. Maybe we should do more than the bare minimum. Well, I, th- I think, uh, you know, we, we very much approach parenting the same way. But again, if you look at us raising our kids day to day, it's not it's not like we're sitting there being neglectful. We're doing everything all the other parents are or almost everything. We just one, we don't feel guilty about anything we do Two, We don't we don't really care if they watch TV. We don't care if they're bored and we're not enrolling them in a million activities. I know I've got a lot of friends who've got their four year olds and they're out there playing sports already. My kids don't play sports at four. I don't I don't have the time to drive them there. And I don't think there's any point. My kids, uh, I'll put a, I'll put a ball outside. So you want to kick it into the goal say okay yeah we want to do that 10 minutes later they're done it's like yeah i'm not signing up for a league we have to go to every week if after 10 minutes you're out of this so so yeah i think she's she's very much on board with the way um the way we do things and it's the way our parents raise us too i I think it's honestly the way a lot of parents do things we've just never put a name to it and now especially you can't speak up because it sounds it just sounds uh you know blasphemous to say you know what i don't want to work extra hard for my kid i don't i don't want to necessarily spend all of my free time promoting my child i want to i want to take a more laid back approach and let things develop as they come and it it makes you sound awful and neglectful when in reality i think it's the way people have kind of always done things until recently mm-hmm. because there's this idea that you give up your life for your yes. children and perhaps we should not look at it like that yeah, I mean, it's uh, there, there's no reason you have to sacrifice who you are uh, to accommodate them. And I think I think that's actually a bad idea. I think you're going to pass that narcissism on to the next generation if everything in your life revolves around your child. Uh, and that's definitely something that people do where their entire life is going to this activity or that activity for their kids and and sitting in the stands every single game. I mean, I did, you know, I did a lot of running and a lot of sports in, in high school. and My parents weren't at all all of my games and meets. And that was the best thing that they could have possibly done for me because I look back and think, oh, you know what? High school sports aren't the most important thing in the world. I'm not the center of the universe. And I think it's good to have that reminder. I think if you set your kids up where they can't perform or do anything unless you're there supporting them, what are they going to do later in life? What are they going to do when they're going and applying for that big promotion and you're not there to clap for them? I mean, at some point, they're going to have to go out and succeed or fail without an audience. So I think we might as well set them up for that sooner rather than later. It's really refreshing, James, I have to say. Again, as some 
who who kind of pushes things too far in other directions. It is really refreshing to hear this because it's it's what I want to hear, frankly. Uh, and I don't hear often enough is that idea that yeah, you're right. You have to. It's it's not all about us as the parents. And actually, I I, I tend to agree that you know our kids in terms of who they're going to become and who they are. It is a little bit preordained in the sense that by the time they arrive in the world, you kind of have an idea of your child's personality. I didn't appreciate that until my son was born. That when he when he came, you know, I, I think I always had this idea that children arrive in the world as some sort of blank canvas and that you help, you know, sort of shape and mold them. And that's not the that's not the case at all. I realise that now in hindsight. But actually, they they come into this world with a with a very distinct and unique personality of their own. And your job is just merely to help them sort of along the way, really. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to your point that you're not trying to kind of shape these children into the human beings you want them to be. They already are. Yeah, exactly. And you really, you realize the personality of kids real early on. You know, if you have, you know, we've, so we've got gone through, we've had four babies and every time they, you know, born in the same circumstances to the same people raised in the same house and they are just completely different, even though all the other controlling factors are the same. So yeah, you do have to recognize that they're, they're independent people. These are not, we come in there, I think of the idea that sometimes these kids are a lump of clay that we're just going to mold and they're, and they're not They're They are people and we're just going to kind of there, help them get to adulthood, help them, help them be the best they can be. But one of the steps to helping them be the best they can be is understand that, you know what, life doesn't revolve around them. And I'm going to take a step back and let you develop on your own. Mm-hmm. I guess if you are worried about your kids or interested in what they're doing, then that's they're going to be all right anyway, because then nothing that bad is going to happen to them if you are just paying attention to them. Yeah. And, and there's a line there. I mean, there's a line before ignoring your child's life and not being present and sitting there at the table doing their homework for them. I mean, there is a line in between. You don't have to go to one of the extremes. Uh, but I think we fall into that more and more that you, you get the helicopter parents and all that. I know that now at our schools over here, everybody has apps. All the teachers have apps. Uh, and I get updates throughout the day about what my kids are doing at school. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't I don't really need all these updates to the day. I assume they're doing what they need home. to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you doing with your time now that you don't spend it uh, 100% parenting? Oh, I've got always got a million different projects going on with writing and all of that. But I don't think I don't think anybody should ever, uh, you know, spend 100 percent of their time parenting. My wife and I both work at, at different things uh, d- doing all of that. Um, I even I mean, even if you're a stay at home parent, I don't think you can possibly spend 100 percent of your day parenting. You would go insane and your kid would go insane to have that much hovering attention. Uh, I think in a way, uh, parents a generation or two used to have it a little bit easier because you'd wake up in the morning and you would send your kids out and they come back when the streetlights were on and now that seems absolutely insane. You're like, oh, my kids are going to get abducted and murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, at least in America, crime is lower than it's ever been before. But thanks to social media, you hear about it more than you ever heard about mm-hmm. it before. So now those same kids that you used to send out in Rome, so they were destroying the neighborhood rather than destroying your house. Now they're inside all day. And I can't imagine keeping those kids inside all day and also telling them they can't watch screens. You... Your house will not be standing. <laughs> no, no. You mentioned social media. We've spoken about your Twitter. Do you have any concerns by the sound of you and i don't know how old you are james you're probably like rich and i where you grew up in a time before facebook and twitter instagram etc was such a huge part of everyday life do you have any concerns about how those sorts of influences might affect kids 
Uh, it's it's interesting to see. Like, so my kids are aware of different social media. I've got a million followers on Twitter, and it means nothing to my kids. Twitter's nothing to children, but they have. Uh, I have I have almost nobody uh, no followers on YouTube, like ten thousand. And to them, YouTube is the only social media platform that exists. One day there was uh, there was one of their favorite YouTube stars, and he read off some of my tweets, like, "Dad, Dad, you're on the internet." I said, "I live on the internet. I'm there every day." <laughs> to them, it doesn't count. So it's it's very interesting to see how they consume media. I mean, I would say children today, YouTube is what matters, and it's replacing TV and DVDs and Blu-ray and all of that. It's all, it's very, it's, it's personalized video. It's like your own cable channel. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change. It's just, it's become so ubiquitous. So uh, that is going to be interesting because right now I control how my kids are portrayed. You know, it's, I, 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 I control the side that's put out there. Uh, and, and there's going to be a stage where they want to tell their own story. And I think that's going to be a discussion we have to have. So there, there are, you know, steps I take now to keep us safe that they don't necessarily see behind the scenes. And I'm going to have to make sure that they follow those too because there I mean there are as safe as the world is there are still dangers out there so you need to find that balance mm. the balance between not worrying every second at your life but at the same time taking some common sense approaches so a murderer doesn't show up at your door and I think we can find that balance yeah. that sounds like a that sounds like quite an apt point on which to end actually James I think yeah the balance between <laughs> Uh, you know, not, not stressing too much and not having your family murdered. I yeah. think that that is that is it in a nutshell for me. James, remind us of the name of the book. Uh, the book is Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. It actually comes out earlier in the UK than the US. I believe it comes out November 1st or November 2nd in the UK. Great. Well, we'll try and... Um... We'll try and get ourselves a copy of that, and uh, presumably we can get it on Amazon, uh, etc. And... Um... We will follow you now on on, on Twitter. Oh, very much you so, know, yeah. And, and spread, spread the <laughs> word, and uh, we'll, we'll drop you a we'll drop you a message when when the pod's out, and um, perhaps uh, you could uh, uh, you give us a shout back. Oh, absolutely! I will share this everywhere. I will stop at no no length to shamelessly <laughs> self promote my book. That is the cor- that is the correct answer. That is good, James. <laughs> appreciate you getting up because I know it's uh, six thirty in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's that's all right. The kids are going to be up anyway. It's kind of like being a farmer. You got to get up at dawn no matter what. Yeah, we're, we're all we're all in the same boat there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Great, great talking to you, James. Thanks very much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.